I was so frightened and so nervous, Steve Carell. It was one of these big, you know, kind of press days in a posh hotel in London. And I was not only directing it, I was filming it on the main camera. And about 20 minutes before he arrived, I thought I'd lost the cards, the cards that you record the camera, uh, you, you know, the film on. And I have never felt my blood run cold like that. But his mum's perseverance, she was convinced that his brain was active and she proved them right. Um, his brain is perfectly active and he now communicates through his eyes. The only thing he can move is his eyes. And he wrote his autobiography <laughs> with his eyes. Oh, and then I could see to sort of shake his hand at the end of the interview and think I've shaken the hand of a man who's shaken the hand of Elvis Presley. And you know, you're not that far disconnected. So hello and welcome to Gospel Impacts, the podcast. Today we're speaking to somebody who has worked at the BBC for over 22 years. He's currently a producer, director on the Songs of Praise, having worked on this for many years and worked on Blue Peter also. He's also been a presenter on Radio 4's Daily Service. Apparently that's the longest running radio programme in the world. So it seems he is destined to only work on shows that are over 60 years old despite being a hip and trendy 44-year-old. For those on, who are watching on video, you'll see how dashing he is. So hello <laughs> and welcome to a great friend of mine, Dave Waters. Hello. Hi, Al. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> no, yeah. pro no problems. If I'm honest, I'm a little intimidated as this is uh, your profession and you are the professional in the room. So I'm feeling a little bit under pressure interviewing somebody who's interviewed many, many more people than I have. So thank you for joining me. Don't worry, my gifts are not in the technicals, uh, so, so you're quite safe. I just okay. rely on other professionals for those bits. <laughs> Great. Well, look, let's start. Let's start the the interview. Um, as our listeners will find out, um, you've been a, a great friend of mine, but also a very interesting character and, and been through some interesting situations. So without further ado, let's find out who you are. Who is Dave Waters growing up? Where did he grow up and how and when did he become a Christian? Uh, what what di and also uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? I'll shut up. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good question. So I um, so you'll know when it comes to sport that uh, I have Welsh blood pumping through my veins. Um, so mum and dad uh, are both Welsh. Me and my brother and sister were all born in England, but we're uh, we're proud of our Welsh heritage, especially when Wales do well, which has not been too good of late. But um, I was born in Cheltenham, and then when I was five, we moved to Nutsford, where I currently live. I did go away briefly, but came came back. So um, I grew up here in Cheshire, and um, yeah, I think there was a brief period where I wanted to be a farmer as a child. Uh, then I found out how early you have to get up in the morning, <laughs> and um, I I really. I really, to my embarrassment, really, even at university, I kind of just enjoyed doing what I was doing and hadn't really put much thought. And it was only at university when I started to panic, thought, gosh, I better start making some decisions that um, the idea of television caught my eye. And uh, I knew that the BBC religion department, even then, was one of the only departments that had moved to Manchester. So it was kind of close by and I knew, vaguely knew a few people. And yeah, so that's where I sort of set my sights. Um, but how I became a Christian, 
Uh, do you know what? I think it's very easy when you grow up in a Christian home and mum and dad set a brilliant Christian example and we were always taken to church, but we were never forced to go to church. And um, and we weren't really a very demonstrative family. Like it wasn't like we were praying at home every day or or, or even talking about very deep stuff. It's just not the way we are really. We're very close, but we didn't really talk about that. So there was no kind of pressure, although I did have very good examples. Um, but the, the turning point I always think is um, my mum brought me, you know, this little um, sort of read, read the Bible, sort of young people's everyday Bible notes. Yeah. And at 11, um, I think my mum had them and then she said, oh, they do them for, for young people. And I was about 11 and she said, would you like me to get you one? And that was the only thing she said. She never checked up that I read it, but she just subscribed me from that moment. And I don't know what it was. Well, I do know what it was. I can only think it was God's hand on my life, but something compelled me at the age of 11 to read them every day. And I, I, I was, I can remember that feeling, that urge. I, I, I didn't feel right unless I'd read it that day. And which at the age of 11, then a sort of football crazy boy, that's sort of a bit weird. And like I say, looking back, I can only think it was God's hand and of course, that by the time I got to sort of 14, 15, I had a really pretty good kind of rudimentary understanding of the Bible because I'd been reading little bits every day and, and that had developed obviously into a very personal faith. And um, obviously church and weekends away and things like Spring Harvest had kind of given me like really boost moments, but that was the foundation. Still, still is, I think, the foundation, just getting to know the bible and getting to know jesus through that and um and it's developed ever since yeah well absolutely so 22 years in the bbc that's a long time dave um so where did it all start how did it all start um and because it used to be the dream job working for the bbc so i know I, I, when i found out that you got the job it was wow you know that's really really great uh, you know that he's he's been able to realize that so so how did it all begin yeah, yeah, and we won't get into the politics of um, the state of the BBC now, but um, but but I can genuinely say I still think it is a dream job. I I sort of I thank God every day really for a job that it sort of it really kind of I think fulfills a lot of my talents. I think it suits me, um, but it, it is a privilege to do it. And um, I've seen a lot of people who do want to get into this industry, and I do feel embarrassed as I touched on a minute ago that I didn't really, there's, there's people I meet that, you know, this been, you know, their only goal for years. Uh, and I wouldn't say I drifted into it. It was a bit more deliberate than that, but it wasn't until I was at university and I'd, I'd, I'd studied theology at university and I, I loved doing that. But again, I hadn't done that with a view to getting a job from my degree. <laughs> um, but like I said, I knew that the BBC religion department was up in Manchester and I thought, well, maybe I'll give it a go. And, uh, BBC do a really good work experience scheme. So I applied the year I graduated and I got that as a four week placement. And I'm so thankful they didn't put me in the religion department straight away. Um, they put me in the entertainment department and I ended up working on this brilliant, weird documentary that we were making for America. And it was literally like researching things like Yeti sightings and freak weather and and I was like, people get paid for this. This is this is brilliant. Like, and it, and also just the buzz around the building. And even then, looking back now, BBC Manchester at the time was was a shadow of its former self, and it was before Media City had been built, you know, way before. But I still felt there was this brilliant buzz about the place, and 
I applied for a job weirdly on Songs of Praise when I was work experience and uh, thinking I could do that and didn't realize it was way above me. Um, but the series producer was a very kind man and he said, look, we can't even offer you an interview, but you're obviously enthusiastic, come and have a chat. And that led to more work experience, which then led to about 18 months when I never had more than four weeks on my contract which sounds terrible, but I was loving it and I was able to live at home. So it wasn't too bad. And and then weirdly, the end, the sort of beginning of the end of the story was um, I ended up getting my first proper job because of my degree. So having studied theology, never thinking I'd use it to earn my keep, I got my job as a specialist researcher on these big Bible documentaries. And, um, and I got it because of my degree and that made me staff. And then I ended up working on all sorts of things in the years after. So yeah, and it's been a brilliant ride. One day I might have to get a proper job, but you know. That's <laughs> so, so a lot of people say. Um, so obviously you've explained how you became a Christian and um, now you're in the BBC and now you're working for them. You've got, you're under contract and, you know, but what are, what have been some of the biggest challenges as a Christian sort of working uh, within or with the BBC? Yeah, I, I, I like that question. And I think I think I understand why a lot of people ask it and I'm not sort of dodging it, but I don't feel like I've ever I've ever really found it that difficult. Um, I mean, obviously, we live in a, a much more secular world these days, but even when strangely, sometimes <clears throat> I find it um, working in on religious programs. There's been times when you actually talk about faith less on religious programs because yeah. everybody's talking about it as the day job it was actually when i went to children's and other departments that often people would um would speak about it more i mean yeah i think i think there are challenges um but i've i hope i've just approached them in the right way especially on songs of praise because you could look at it as you know we are obliged to reflect you know, parts of the church and different denominations and traditions that I might find very foreign or might even have some disagreements with. But rather than kind of think, oh gosh, I don't want to shine a light on that. I think I think God has gently just sort of rather opened my mind and 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 sort of maybe gently knocked down some of my prejudices. And I've actually come to see God working in all sorts of ways that perhaps I originally wouldn't have thought, you know, because you one week you're in a Catholic church or in a Pentecostal church or not in a church at all. And you suddenly see, oh, God's working there and he's working there. And actually, my little box that I grew up in, you know, God's work is so much wider than that. So, yeah, there's been occasional um, challenges. I remember getting um, a few sniggers once where I pitched an idea about Christmas and you know, some little snigger about it being fairy stories and who would believe that kind of thing. But I really haven't encountered that too much. And I've, I've and obviously working in religious programs, a lot of Christian programs, um, it, it, often you're actually talking about that stuff most of the time. But yeah, it's uh, so I don't know whether I, th I think, yeah, when the challenges have come, I think I've just tried to to see them much more as a learning experience and and trying to kind of keep an open mind about it. So I've never felt too, it's been too tough in that sense. That's good. Well, I know a lot of our listeners and I know I have faced some quite interesting challenges in my secular work. So it's actually nice to hear that obviously it's secular work, but it's also religious um, in, in its content. So that's interesting to hear. So in that time, obviously working with BBC, um, you'll have met some 
pretty interesting people, some uh, interesting celebrities. So I'd like to know who who was your favourite and why? Um, who's your most challenging? Who was the, the biggest diva? Because I'm sure you've worked with a few divas. Uh, and which Christian celebrity um, that you've met do you admire the most and why? That's a big question. In fact, that's about four questions in oh. one. So sorry. No, no. I mean, <clears throat> I know this sounds really blasé, but because because it stretches and we don't you know often a lot of a lot of the time i'm not working with with big names and and i'm genuinely saying this it is often the ordinary people the ordinary faith stories that really move you yeah. more but of course it, everybody loves a bit of stardust and and actually when i stop and think over the years people i've met you kind of go gosh i am being so fortunate you know so steve carell wow. um yeah. st- sticks out when i'm on blue peter and and weirdly none of the the people were actually the problem. It was often either I created the problem or it's the people around them. So I was so frightened and so nervous, Steve Carell. It was one of these big, you know, kind of press days in a posh hotel in London. Yeah. And I was not only directing it, I was filming it on the main camera. And about 20 minutes before he arrived, I thought I'd lost the cards, the cards that you record the camera, uh, you know, the film on. Yeah. And I have never felt my blood run cold like that. And, um, and it was just a horrible 10 minutes. Um, and, um, you know, this Hollywood star waiting. And, and um, anyway, they were still in my bag. They, I just I just panicked when I looked. Yeah. I couldn't see them and they were there. And it was, it was great. But, you know, I remember he was surrounded by sort of American men in suits. Yeah. And um, they were all going like... Uh, looking at my monitor going oh this reflection in his glasses and and um and steve Carell was just sitting there going well like i could just lose the glasses and they were like no steve you keep the glasses we'll sort this and i was like <laughs> it's like it's always the people themselves are like chilled yeah. um so i mean he was brilliant to me and Sirian mckellen again oh, yeah. wow. Massive name. wow massive and, name and he was he was brilliant but again i remember that with 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 a chill because again nothing to do with him but there was a i for some reason i had a crew it was he, we were meeting him in manchester and the crew was coming from london i can't remember why because it's a stupid idea and they got held up in a massive crash on the m6 right. and they just didn't make it so i had sir ian mckellen in a room in manchester in a bar in manchester and his pa going he's really looking forward to this interview and i said i'm really sorry I haven't got a, I've got a crew and like I like it was just horrible how did you and, how did you get over that how did you rec- uh, record it what man, happened Al it was horrible <laughs> and um, what happened was he was there for um it was part of the pride weekend in Manchester yeah. and he was part of it so he was there all weekend and they were really kind because they his team could have easily just gone well stuff you you know how unprofessional but they said well he was actually really looking forward to talking to you so keep in touch you know and if he's got any other time in the weekend we'll let you know and by which time i'd put like a had like a manchester cameraman on standby and um and and then on the monday it was a bank holiday weekend i think on the monday i just got this call and they said he'll he'll give you half an hour and i've like drove into manchester met the crew we set up in about 10 minutes and we got we got a really good interview he's really interesting really interesting guy but yeah so we managed to I've saved my bacon because obviously we'd build this, you know, um, it wasn't, it was for a Sunday morning show, um, but he was great. So, yeah, I mean, there's, 
I could I could go on and and it's it's embarrassing, but I've probably forgotten a lot. You know, I I work regularly with Catherine Jenkins now yeah. and Songs yeah. of Praise, and yeah. she yeah. definitely has a superstar lifestyle. Mm. Um, but is lovely and very modest and great to work with. Yeah. But the people that stand out, I mean, I really admire people like Dan Walker, yeah. who's never, you know, shied away from his faith, but just has an integrity about him that, you know, and he's been super successful because he's brilliant at what he does and he's yeah. not compromised on who he is um and i remember him saying once you know some i think the head of bbc sport or something said look you'll never make it if you don't work on a sunday which is one of his principles and of course he did you know and he made and they're just like it's great you know so uh, uh love people like dan who in it because it is tough especially when you're front of camera and you've got the eyes on you and people ask you much more questions that they'll ask of my of me or my faith but um, but yeah, I think I think there's lots of people um, that I would remember and admire. And I'm not just saying this to sound cheesy, but the people that really stick with me are not famous. No. They're just <clears throat> got the most extraordinary. So, well, why not? Why not tell us one of those yeah. stories of who you who you have met and whether they're Christian or not? But just yeah, uh, just to them. No, no, something I can tell you. So many, and actually, I said this to someone the other day. Do you know, you know, all those intellectual arguments about the existence of God? Yeah, all brilliant. You know, I really res respect those. But the privilege of my job, I have heard, and I'm not kidding, hundreds of times, the testimony of someone saying it's a variation of something like, "I hit rock bottom," or "I, I was that was it for me," and I cried out, and Jesus saved me. And when you hear that time and time again for me it's not an intellectual proof of course but it's like what a confirmation of faith that you you know all over the country all different you know kind of um social situations and you're meeting people saying that same testimony it's amazing but one that i'll share with you that probably sticks out the most is um and i still get quite emotional talking about it. it's a lovely lad called jonathan bryant and at the time we interviewed him, he was only 13, and he'd already written his autobiography. Wow. So Jonathan's mum was in a car accident when she was pregnant. And he was when he was born, they basically thought he was brain dead uh, and he can't move his limbs. He, he, But his mum's perseverance, she was convinced that his brain was active and she proved them right. Um, his brain is perfectly active and he now communicates through his eyes the only thing he can move is his eyes wow. and he wrote his autobiography <laughs> with his eyes wow. and i just think what and um but this is what ah oh, his mum told the story of when she first realized he could speak and communicate he kept talking about a garden right and he said when can i go back to the garden and she was like you know this is him as a small child and um <laughs> he said, uh, she said, what do you mean the garden? He said, Jesus' garden. And um, he'd nearly died a few times and had very near-death experiences. He said, I've been to this garden. He said, I love going there because I can run and climb trees. And then, um, and she said, how do you know it was Jesus' garden? And he said, because he was there. I met him and I'm going to go back there. But I think Jesus wants me to stay with my family for a bit longer. And I just, you know, and that is a child telling you that. There's yeah. no way he has made that up. No. Or, and, you know, to hear stories like that and you just, 
oh man you know so what a privilege to shine a little light on you know for the thing it does for my faith and then to have the privilege of sharing it on tv or yeah. wherever it's just yeah, yeah well, well, that, well that's one of the reasons why i've done this podcast it is yeah. exactly that the amount of stories i've heard now has been yeah. just incredible and you know it's meant so much to me so you know I, i'm hoping to get a similar blessing and privilege that you guys yeah. have, you, that you've had because that's been incredible but thank you for sharing that i know i know uh, and, hard, yeah, you can I, check I, out sounds his incredible. book it's called i can see and it's i as in e-y-e i can see jonathan's okay. book it's so so jonathan jonathan what was his surname Bryant. Bryant. Jonathan Bryant. So yeah, if you want to pick up that book, sounds very interesting. So so obviously you've met some amazing people. Um and you you're now working on Songs of Praise. And and my original question was, is this just for people over the age of eighty? Uh, <laughs> what 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 do you think is is an offer for for us uh mine uh, below eighty for uh, in this program? And what are some of the craziest things that have happened on Songs of Praise? But deal with that second. Maybe first one, you know, what, why Songs of Praise and, and why is it relevant to us as Christians today? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. And we'd be the first to admit, people, you know, the team is a really great bunch of people. Um, it's a real mix of people. And we would be the first to say, you know, our hardest challenge is, is image and perception because people hear Songs of Praise and we've been on 62 years. So we all know it you'll know it you know everybody can picture almost everybody can picture a scene of like they're at home on a sunday night they've got to do their homework and the songs of praise theme tune like triggers <laughs> this thing and they're like but if they've ever watched it they sort of i say it's like oh it's just grannies singing hymns that's what they picture yeah. and don't get me wrong there's nothing wrong with the grannies singing hymns and of course we're very we've we're very realistic our our core audience still is that sort of slightly older more traditional who want their sort of favorite hymns but a lot of the time when we get criticism especially from younger christians it's 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 because people haven't watched us yeah and yes of course we still do the traditional things but it has evolved massively we do take great you know and even in the stories that we tell yes there's a lot of tradition there's a, there's a lot of history because people love to see where we are because we're all around the country every week but there's testimony there's you know if we are a christian program we've never been ashamed of that we've never shied away from it we we celebrate the christian faith hopefully as broadly as we can and and so you get great testimony on there like i've already said and the music you know we do you know we do such a wide variety of music now and we do you know a gospel choir of the year we do a young chorister of the year so and we've changed i think we're in a format now where it's the kind of best hybrid we can offer because what we, years ago what used to happen is we do modern worship for example or gospel but you would only do it like once every five weeks so all the traditional audience would suddenly get like whammo like a whole episode of modern worship and they'd all write in saying how they hated the happy clappy stuff <laughs> and all the people who wanted who preferred modern worship weren't watching anyway because they thought we were traditional <laughs> so <laughs> now what we what we try to do and we don't get it right every no. week of course we can't please everybody but there's an authenticity to songs of praise that i've grown to love and um we try to get a balance in every episode now between traditional music and modern and 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 across the year we do a huge variety 
of things. We'll do the pomp and ceremony of, you know, the coronation and things like that. But we'll also, you know, we'll be in the food banks and we'll be in the in the churches that are helping the homeless. And, you know, so we and everything in between, you know. So um, I hope that we can start to change perceptions and um i made a program one of one of our presenters sean fletcher is a wonderful man we do in these occasional programs of their testimony call it their faith journey and um i did sean's uh earlier this year was it last year i can't remember and we've never had more uh social media comments on a program i mean there were hundreds and hundreds and what was really interesting was loads of them were i haven't watched songs of praise for 20 years but you've got to watch this one or like tell your congregations to watch this. Right. Try to work out what it was. And I think it was because Sean's a really lovely guy, but also he had a genuine faith journey. He didn't grow up a Christian. It came to faith at school, fell away, came back to it. So there was a real journey there, and he was just really honest. It was an honest testimony. Yeah. And I think it just hit a chord that people thought that's not what songs of praise did. And when we found, when they found that we did do that, they were like, oh wow and this is on bbc one this is on yeah. you know like so and it was a real i just think things like that like i said we don't get it right every week but i would really encourage christians all across um the uk give it a try occasionally every episode's on iplayer for a year now you know and there's there's some really good stuff in there and it is let's face it it's a minor miracle we're still on but thank God for the BBC. There's no other network in the world, mainstream network, that would put this stuff on. No. So, yeah, um, well, I is... think it's a ble- I think it's a blessing, Dave, that that on BBC One in a pretty prime time spot is people singing about Jesus, I and mean, that can't yeah. be a bad thing. And then also, yeah. in if there's testimonies on there of how you know Jesus has met them and and had an impact on their lives, that for me is has got to be a positive so yeah I, 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 maybe I need to start switching on it yeah, on Sunday I nights mean, like I say especially with iPro now because we're on at lunchtime you know, obviously there's challenges we're not it's not the 1980s when we're yeah. on in the evening and six million people are watching it's not that those days have gone for every for every yeah, program yeah. but um you know we still have a very healthy audience we still have an amazing reach and and a lot of people writing in saying I've been to church in decades, but I'll always watch songs of praise, Brilliant. you know, and Brilliant. so it's good news television. Yeah. And I think it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a blessing to work on. Definitely. So what has been the craziest thing that happened on songs of praise? Think of something that you, you <laughs> behind the scenes, behind the curtain, behind the, uh, the blue rinse. Oh man. <laughs> I mean, there's quite uh, there's quite a lot. I mean, um, <laughs> I've actually I mean, been are, on Songs are... of Praise. I might add about three times. But anyway, have you? Yeah, have oh, you. <laughs> there we are. Fame. Uh, no, it's, um, it, I mean, you get the. I mean, we get a lot of that thing of uh, like people going, "Oh, well, isn't the the um, the the, uh, the churches are never full uh, every Sunday, and then suddenly they're full for Songs of Praise." And, <laughs> although, I mean, in our defence of that, actually, we've always for sixty years we've always invited the whole town. Right. Um, okay. But that was never really a legitimate criticism. We've always been open about it. But yeah, oh man, there's been so many. I remember Alid Jones um, getting told off for whistling in a church. <laughs> How dare he whistle in the house of God? <laughs> I think he was whistling a hymn tune as well. <laughs> um, there was one one story where um, 
yeah the, the, the i've got to be careful what i share what i share now <laughs> but um uh there, there's been quite oh actually it's kind of funny but it's also kind of not that actually because there's obviously lots of non-christians who who work on songs of praise um and you actually realize how important it is um of the example that we give as christians because yeah. they see good and bad yeah, yeah. and that's the pity is and i remember getting absolutely yelled at by a vicar <laughs> because we'd interviewed the organist of the church and the organist had keys to the church and so i never thought kind of my fault but we never thought to to mention it to the vicar because it was all through the organist and she had keys to the church blah, blah, blah. about a few days later she was she rang up demanding thousands of pounds and how dare we go into her church and um wow. you know shouting at our our team you know which is not a great impression no, no. <laughs> it was all sorted out in the end i think she just got a bit hurt by it but um but yes um there are there there are some i'm sure i could think of far more and some well, maybe well they 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 sound pretty crazy moments for me but yeah. I, th- I think i think sort of one of the benefits of of working for BBC, dave is that you're able to get hold of things that other people might not now you might be thinking what the heck is he saying here why is he going <laughs> here what is he on about well one of the most special things that um i've done and certainly for me was you got us tickets to see glenn campbell at the lowry it was his last tour ever he was mega special um to my dad um, my dad loved glenn campbell um and glenn actually had early stage dementia as i thought my dad was starting to get uh, when I went with him, um, but we were able to sit there. In fact, I think uh, I want to say Sarah Lancashire. I think it was. Yeah, uh, yeah was yeah. sat literally behind right us. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, which was which was quite quite interesting. Um, and I think she was actually either she's going out with or somebody very senior in the BBC at the time. Yeah, she married to Peter Salmon, who was the head yeah. of BBC Door. <laughs> that's right. That's right. He, <laughs> he was. He was, like, was also my... sat. He was also oh. sat there. Yeah. So and and I remember that you know that was massive for me because um, unfortunately both of them, my dad and Glenn Campbell, took a rapid um, decline in their dementia. And but I'll never forget my dad's face um, when we heard sort of Rhinestone Cowboy, which if you don't know Glenn Campbell is probably one of his most famous songs. So firstly, I wanted to say on this podcast a huge thank you for for that gift, yeah. and um, uh, it really does weigh a long a lot mean a lot to me for for what you did for us. But it was a great concert, and I'll never forget that album that you released last, which which I still have, yeah. and and it still brings tears to my eyes when I listen to some of the songs that he he sang because he obviously had early stage dementia then even when he was recording that album so um but this is a long way around to a question and a bit indulgent for me to share thank you with you but um uh, the the i know you interviewed glenn and his wife um but what were some of the things uh you didn't know about glenn maybe beforehand before that interview and and what did you find most interesting about him or, or even them yeah oh it was special special memories and again i just i said this so many times but it was such a privilege to to have this job because opportunities like that you know don't come to to to, to many people and um i since found actually after that that in the 80, 80 or 90s they'd actually done a whole songs of praise from glenn campbell's like ranch wow. in america wow. this is where they had limitless budget <laughs> you know so he's had this great sort of christian faith um, through his life and obviously I mean at times one of the biggest stars in the world you know and certainly one of the greatest guitar players who's ever lived 
And I don't think I knew enough about that. So that was a big thing for the interview because um, he was basically part of the, this band called The Wrecking Crew, who were basically the best session musicians of the day who played through the 50s and 60s on everyone. Every, anyone and everyone hit record. They got these guys in. Uh, this is way before Glenn Campbell was famous. And um, and I love that. I mean, it's really, you know, I, I love early rock and roll. It's one of my favorite you know, periods of music. So to be able to talk to this man, and, and, and it was in some ways sad, you know, because his dementia had started and he needed his wife next to him because she would just prompt him. And then she only needed to prompt and then he was off. And I asked him about Elvis. Um, and he sort of looked blank. Elvis and his mum, uh, sorry, his wife sort of just went, you know, you you played for Elvis. And he went, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it suddenly started saying how like him and Elvis would stay up all night um, singing gospel songs and talking about Christianity and how he played the riff on Viva Las Vegas. I was like, that's you? Wow. That is, that is, that. And he was like, yeah, I played on Viva Las Vegas. And it's just like... Oh, and then I could see to sort of shake his hand at the end of the interview and think I've shaken the hand of a man who's shaken the hand of Elvis Presley wow. and, you know, you're not that far disconnected, no. you know. And uh, Yeah, I mean, and, and interestingly as well, and this is what I love, and this is, I think, what I've learned is like a lot of people's testimonies are not neat and tidy. No. You know, well, none, of us, none of us are, are we? You know, we no. are a, a, a mad mix of flaws and failures saved by grace and you know he had a real problem with alcoholism right. you know through through a lot of his life and it was quite a funny moment in the interview because uh and um because she'd uh his wife said how she'd been praying to meet a godly man and um then she she ended up on this date with glenn campbell and he he prayed before the meal and she was like oh thank the lord my prayers are answered and then she said <laughs> and then i found out he had a terrible drinking problem <laughs> at which point glenn at which point glenn campbell went it wasn't terrible i had a great time <laughs> and, uh, like, but, so he he had this difficult you know um the relationship with alcohol where in some ways it gave him fire in the belly but then became a real problem and then you know got help and got sober and things but um you know and still had this had this great great faith so yeah i mean what a great privilege to talk to someone like that and you know may you rest in peace yeah yeah amazing man uh yeah i know i had a, a deep faith in the end so yeah it made it even more um poignant but so um obviously you've met glenn campbell you've met lots of other people but is there anyone left on the bucket list you'd oh. like to meet and what would be the best question you'd like to ask him it's got to be bruce springsteen right i would love to meet bruce um i was very very fortunate just three weeks ago uh lisa my wife and i went to see him uh at villa park and i went there al and we'd booked the tickets you know how it is like over a year earlier and i'd seen him before but you know quite a few years ago and i love bruce's uh, his songs and and then as we were driving there and we were held up in traffic and we were it was getting late and then i was starting to doubt you know he's 73 now are we going to see a sort of famous rock star just on on the down on the uh, was it, is his powers waning and I, honestly it was the best concert i have ever seen if that man is 73 i'm 103 and, <laughs> but it was also and i mean this sincerely it was also the most spiritual experience i've had all year wow because and and i think this is part of what god has taught me about keeping an open mind you know like 
he's so much bigger than we can ever pigeonhole and God definitely uses people like Bruce Springsteen. I mean, he actually is uh, in page one of his autobiography. He calls himself a follower of Jesus, right? You know, which is like, wow, I wasn't yeah. really expecting. I mean, I knew he uses faith and in, in his lyrics, like he tells these amazing stories and he's talking about redemption and grace and and second chances and things like that. So I, but I didn't realize he was so it was so important to him. And but I would love to. Uh, to talk to Bruce and I'd love to ask him, you know, how he defines that as a follower of Jesus and how he's managed, even though he's a gazillionaire, you know, he still seems to have kept some authenticity. He's, you know, he still writes for the kind of working class he heroes in, in the States or, you know, in the, and he just seems to, and I was looking around at the crowd and it was incredibly varied crowd as well, yeah. old and young and, you know, and like people who kind of, brought with him and it was just and if you don't if you if you don't mind me sharing yeah, it no, very no. quick finishes with a you know just like they switched the stadium lights on for the last like 40 minutes and it's just like so when he's singing dancing in the dark we're dancing in the light you know and it was just sensational and the atmosphere was brilliant then the very last song all the band went off and he came on just and this is the amazing thing about bruce even his new stuff like it's not all about just playing the old hits his new stuff is just amazing and he sang a song um called i'll see you in my dreams just him and a guitar and basically his latest album is all about he's realized he's outlived a lot of his friends and he's lost a lot of his friends and this song just wouldn't leave me and lisa and i just kind of held each other um because it's about kind of the, the lyrics are like um I'll see you in my dreams when all our summers have come to an end um, up around the river bend because death is not the end, you know, and it's a brilliant song and it stayed with me and I was preaching. I'm a Methodist local preacher. Another thing, I don't know if we said it up front. I was preaching in a little church in Cheshire on the Sunday. So we saw Bruce on the Friday and I, I was preaching on the Sunday and I don't know why I just couldn't get this song out of my head. And so I just used it i just said i just read the lyrics yeah. in in the sermon it was, and it wasn't it was probably only about 30 people there and i was thinking am i just doing this because i'm a bruce springsteen fan <laughs> you know and like and i just because i'm really buzzing after the concert and the lady took me aside at the end and she said you know um you know the couple on the front row and i said well yeah i see them every time i preach here she said they they lost their teenage daughter on this day 33 years ago wow. she said they never usually come on the anniversary but they came this today because they thought you there would be a message for them wow uh, i was like wow and i just read though and so i just think that is god using bruce springsteen that is god using me that is and and you know he speaks in so many ways more than we think he does you know circumstances and poets and preachers and songs and church and everything else you know like but he's yeah god finds a way yeah absolutely <laughs> in in all kinds of ways and even using bruce yeah. springsteen which is yeah. incredible yeah. um i was going to ask you what his killer question is but it's kind of uh, you've kind of answered a, a lot of that in that in that answer yeah, so sorry. Uh, no, 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 no 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 that's absolutely fine um but what i want to ask is a, an even bigger question to you really is what difference does your faith make in your life, um, both personal and work-wise? Uh, I think, 
I think when you've been a Christian quite a while, like 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 you and I both have, it, yeah. it, it in a, in a good and a bad way, sometimes it becomes so much part part of you. You, it's hard to kind of work out what difference it makes. What 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 would we be like? Had uh, did we not have faith? And um, I d- I don't know to be honest. I I just hope. Well, certainly I'm privileged to work on Christian material, and that that it makes a huge material in my work and songs of praise. It makes a huge difference because obviously loads of brilliant people work on songs of praise, and no, not all of them have faith, and they can be fantastic at their job. But there's there's a point of understanding, I think, a sort of depth that you can only go to if you really faith kind of speaks to faith, and and I think so. I think that really helps me in my job that I can I understand what people are talking about if they're talking about an experience or their faith, whatever different expression that is. It might be from a totally different tradition to me, but you can understand and you connect. I think for me personally, I think it just. Um, actually, maybe I'll just use my wife as a better example. My wife works in the NHS and, you know, you don't think you're anything exceptional, but I know that the love she knows in Jesus and the kind of the the commands, the the inspiration to love our neighbours and to love those who we don't necessarily even like, you know, I know she puts that into action and she thinks it's normal, but it stands out. You know, the fact that she speaks to hundreds of people every day, people walk into the hospital and all walks of life, you know, and she spe- treats them all the same. And, you know, I hope maybe I've got a little bit of that as well, that actually those, um, the spirit of Jesus and, you know, loving our neighbour, hopefully shines through a little bit in the way that we treat people and goodness knows you know i falter and fall and i'm as selfish as the next person but you know hopefully a bit of his light shines and that shines in a bit in the way we are with people the way we treat people and hopefully in the integrity with which we work and things like that but i I hope it does anyway despite my it comes out it comes over dave for me just in your smile and your (laughs) your 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 vigor for life is is what it comes over for me definitely jesus definitely shines through you i've seen it and and i I can tell you it does So, so so from all of that sort of wrapping up um and and bringing the interview to a close um a tradition that we've stolen from another podcast but don't tell anyone um is to leave a question for the next guest of uh that that i can use partly because i'm rubbish at questions Mm. um but um is to leave for a particular guest um that a sort of a final question now uh, what i've negated to do is to tell dave who that next guest is which i normally do at the start of the podcast but i'm going to tell him via a via a method on on zoom that hopefully doesn't pop up for those who are watching this on zoom um but i'm going to tell him exactly who that person is and then he'll be able to think of a question of what that might be but um he actually knows this person quite well so um well i think he does he knows him fairly well but um we're interviewing him about about his his um career of this particular person so um in when he was uh in his secular career so hopefully that (laughs) i've been as 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 coy as i can be to try and pass on what what i'm meaning by that but yeah so i just wanted to leave a question for 
for that person so that when I'm in that podcast, I can ask that question and carry on this tradition. So Dave, what, what yeah. was you, I've hopefully padded enough time for you to have, uh, a yeah, yeah, yeah. have a question for him. I would say what single person or experience has changed your faith most? Wow. Not, the person who brought you to faith but yeah. since you've been a christian what experience or person has changed your faith most wow big question that's a very good question see that's why i asked that at the end of the yeah. podcast so you can help me out so that's brilliant but dave listen thank you so much for taking the time out i know how busy you are um and you 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 not necessarily got the time to do this so thank you thank you for doing it uh, it's been an absolute pleasure alan thanks for doing what you do no no worries no worries well hopefully this this will carry on and and grow and we can get more people hearing about the impact it has on the gospel we've had already had somebody who was impacting the gospel in their sort of later life um and now we've we've spoken to dave who as as been a Christian for a long period of time so I think it's a nice transition from somebody who's had an incredible experience in terms of a conversion experience to somebody who is living out the Christian life and I know speaking to a, a person recently and interviewing a person recently who said he deeply admires those people who've stayed with the faith for such a long time he's he's only been a Christian for sort of five or ten years and it's had an incredible impact on his life but he all, always says he admires people who like myself and others who've been a Christian for a very long period of time for, for sticking with the faith and running the race. So I hope you'll carry on, Dave. I hope you'll keep running that race uh, and we'll keep praying for you in your position, uh, and which is an incredible one and a real privilege by the sounds of it. And we hope you'll have some great times moving forward. But thank you ever so much for joining us. Thanks, Al. No Absolutely. Yeah.